And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14. We're going to be looking at a few things. Things are happening in the United States of America. And I believe that they're happening for the good. And we have some Supreme Court justices that are going under great scrutiny because they're taking their stand as a, a Supreme Court justice should against many, many things. And so we live in almost like a totalitarian uh, world, or the United States anyway, and we are seeing tyranny like we've never seen it before. And we're seeing some things take place, and they don't want us to preach those from the pulpit, uh, not if you're a conservative, okay? They don't want us to do it. If you're a, a liberal, that's fine. You can, you can express all you want. But listen, here's my prayer. Every single night, every single night, I pray for this country, and I pray that this country will repent and that God will heal our land. That's what I pray for, that this country will repent. Somebody says this country needs to return to the Lord. I don't know if this country's ever, ever, uh, uh, you can't return until you get where you're going and leave it. So we have left, we have left God a long, long time ago. The country itself has, the government has. But you know what the church has, needs to get back on fire and the church needs to come to the place where we're so radical that it's just moving heaven. Now, somebody said to me one time, they said, you're a holy roller. And I said, not yet. How many of you got that? There are, you know, uh, when, when uh, uh, Terry took off running last week, and we like that, but that, that should not be new to us. Shouting should not be new to us. Clapping and hands raised should not be new to us. This stuff should not be new to us. It's new to us because we took it out of the church. I, I'm glad that, that they're having a, a, a citywide prayer meeting. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But there's going to be a whole lot wrong with it if it's just a statement to stand up for and we got the, it, you need to pray and you need to come back to where God wants you to be. Amen? And so it's, it's good if it's given, given to the Lord. And, and so here's what I'm going to say to you. We have forgotten where we have come from and we have forgotten where we're going and what we're doing here today. We forgot that. Now, Jesus is saying something here. Now, what he's going to, they're going to bring it up. And I'm not going to probably preach very long today because I'm going to pray for some people. Okay? And they're going to bring up Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Now look what it says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his Savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden down under foot of men. Now, look at it in your Bible there. Now, look what it says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again, right? That's the NIV. Now, let me read to you from, from the King James. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his. Do you see that? Do you see that? Now, let's look at it again. It says... This is the NIV. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? That's not what the King James says. You see that? What does the King James say? 
His. That's a, that's, that's a personal pronoun right there. And he's speaking about a person. He's not speaking about an it. Sometimes we, we, we say, have you received it? Referring to the Holy Ghost. No, have you received him? Okay, have you received him? Now look what it says. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, that, that salt is, is, is used for several things back in, in the ancient Hebrew days. And so what we have is that we have salt is a preservation. You can pack something in salt, and it'll keep for a long, long time. It'll keep as long as your refrigerator almost will keep it. Salt. It's also used as a seasoning. How many of you like to put salt on your eggs? I don't eat much salt, but man, you can't eat egg without salt. You, you got to have salt and pepper. An egg is one nasty thing without salt and pepper. But you put salt on it, it changes the whole taste of an egg. Okay? And, and it, here's another interesting thing. It was so sought after that the Roman soldier was paid in salt. He wasn't paid in silver. He wasn't paid in gold. He wasn't paid with any kind of uh, paper money. He was paid in salt. And people would give their right arm for salt because it did so many things. And so that's, that's how he was. And so when you see a centurion and you see that he is very rich, what it means is he got a lot of salt. Okay? And so I'm going to ask you, how much salt do you have? Okay. Now look what the Bible says here, what Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the preservation of the earth. And, and, and so then, I, I really like the King James with this. It says, uh, but if the salt has lost his Savior, if it's lost his taste, if it's lost what it needs to be used for, if it, wherewith, uh, it says, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, right? But to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot by men. Okay, so we look at this, but when I see this, I'm saying, okay, his Savior. See, because, because he wants you to understand something. Here's what Jesus wants you to understand. He's talking about men. He's not talking about salt. He's talking about men and what men are to do in the kingdom of God. Now, get, now, now hear this. Jesus says this. He says, he said, when will the end come? And Jesus goes through several things. And he goes through wars and rumors of wars. He goes through off. Uh, Famines, pestilence, he goes through a lot of things. And then he says, when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached throughout the world. It's not when everybody gets saved. It's when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached. Now, you can only preach, pay attention, you can only preach the gospel of the kingdom if you are the salt of the earth. If you are the salt of the earth. Because it is Christ in us, the hope of glory, now, if we look at Colossians 1.27, it teaches us this. It teaches us that we're the Greeks, okay, and we are the Gentiles. And here's the hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? So here's what he's saying. Christ in you, Christ in me, has made us the salt of the earth. And this earth it, it is, is an amazing thing too. Because when we think of the earth... We think of the ground. But yet, when, when he says, as it is in heaven, 
let it be on earth. I am earth and you are earth. We are earthen vessels. The Bible teaches us in the book of, of, of uh, Genesis, it says, And God breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul, or he became a living being, which means he's created never to die. See, God is eternal. God always was, is now, and always will be. God's eternal. There's no beginning and there's no end for God. God is eternal. You and I are not eternal. God is eternal Father. You and I are living, everlasting living beings. That's who we are. It means that we were created and we will never die. Listen to me, you're, you're going to live somewhere forever. Somewhere you're going to live. You're either going to live in heaven or you're going to live in hell. We don't want to use that word. But it's the truth. It's still, you're going to live in heaven for eternity or you're going to live in hell for eternity, one or the other, and there's no gray in the middle. My name's there. There's no gray in the middle. How many of you understand that? Here's, here's what's interesting to me. And John said, And I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and it was adorned as a bride, is, is uh, adorned for the bridegroom. And I love that. And he, he, he shows a city that is 1,500 miles. It is a perfect cube. It is, it, it is 1,500 miles high. It's 1,500 uh, miles uh, uh, in width. And it's 1,500 miles long. This city that's coming down from heaven, listen to this. This city that's coming down from heaven and it's going to establish itself on earth is, 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 is uh, uh, the four square. It's, it's four square, but they made a denomination out of it. It is a four-square city. And here's what it's going to... It's going to start in St. Joseph, Missouri. It's going to go clear to uh, California. And it's going to go past the Canadian border out into the ocean. That's how big this thing is. This city is bigger than half of the United States. A city. And then it's not only only a city, okay? But this thing's 1,500 miles high. How many of you have been in an airplane? And you get up about seven miles, you think you're all really high up there. Right? Think about 1,500 miles. Listen to what it is. We're that city. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I go. And he said, I go to prepare. He, said, he says in, in, in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. But believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are what? Many mansions. Listen to me. People, pay attention. You are not going to get a mansion in heaven. I just busted your bubble. You're not going to get that. You're going to be the mansion. You're going to be that mansion. You're going to be that mansion that dwells with God. I'm that mansion. Listen, and there's going to be, and we're going to be here on earth. There's a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't understand this. And if you tell me you do, I'm going to call you a liar. Because I don't understand it. But we might be traveling from the earth to heaven, back and forth. I have no idea. But i got a pretty good idea that we're going to be earthbound and heavenbound. Praise God. There's nothing going to stop us. We are not going to be held captive by time. Understand something. We are going to be in the presence of the Almighty forever. The Bible says that we are a kingdom. And not only are we a kingdom, but we are the priests of God. And we are going to minister to the Lord. Listen, that don't mean we're going to get him saved. We're, we're going to minister to the Lord. We're going to be his servants forever. But he's, we're, we're, we're going to be his children forever. We're going to be his family. 
forever. We're going to minister to him. Have you ever had your children minister to you? There is nothing better in this life, I'm telling you straight up, when you have adult children who can minister to you. That's good stuff right there. That really is, man. When you got, when you got adult children that love the Lord, that ministers to you. Think about what God has in store for those who love him. Listen to what he says. Before you get that, before you get that, you are the salt of the earth. And it is important that you understand that because God wants you to go out and win people to him and be there uh, uh, preservative. He wants you to go out there and put your hands on it. He wants me to go out there and put my hands on it. Listen, he wants to use my hands. He wants to use my feet. He wants to use my voice. He wants to use every fiber about me because, listen, I'm not bragging. I am the salt of the earth if I'll let God do what God will do. So he says, you are the salt of the earth. But man, if, you, if you've lost your saltiness, think something. If you've lost your saltiness, then you're not any good for anything, neither am I. I think the United States is about to lose its saltiness. In no way. There's no way. There's no way that anybody should be able to threaten a Supreme Court justice and get away with it. There is no way that anybody should camp out on his lawn with cameras and threaten his family. And yet we, we're living in that day. We're living in that day. He was telling me about, about uh, Chuck Schumer threatening uh, one, Kavanaugh, the judge. Yeah, threatening. And think of that. He should be put in prison. He's the insurrectionist. He, listen to me. Listen to me. When, when, when you start to believe in the things of the devil... You have become an insurrectionist. And so, so what takes place is, listen, when we don't stand up in the church and say these things are wrong today, then we are not protecting not only babies, but we're not protecting the people of the United States that needs to be protected. And let me tell you something, your protection is not in the government. Your protection is right behind the pulpit. And if you have somebody that is not protecting the church behind the pulpit, then they need to get out of the pulpit or you need to get out of that church. Listen, why? Because you're the salt of the earth. And if you've lost your saltiness, then the Bible says you're no good for nothing. It's an amazing thing. That's the earth. This interesting thing that we... Put your hand on your chest. You know what you're feeling? You're just feeling just a bunch of mud. Right there. Right there. And guess what's going to happen one day? Can you feel your heartbeat? Man, I love feeling my heartbeat. Can you feel it? Feel it. One day it's just going to stop. Let's hope it doesn't happen right now. you got your hand on your heart and it clots in. Not right now. Uh-uh. So you got your hand on your heart and it's beating. You get to breathe. Right? That old lump of dirt is all right right now. Then one day you're going to be doing that and it's going to stop. And then they're going to take you, John is. John's going to bring a wagon in here. Then they used to call it the meat wagon. Then you're going to bring the wagon in here. 
and they're going to put you on a gurney. They're going to take you over to his place. He's going to cut your juggler vein out and stick a tube in there and pump all your blood out. And he's going to put a nice suit on you. He's going to fix your hair. He's going to put nice eyebrows. He's going to fix you all up. Everybody's going to say, Boy, he sure looks good. He's deader than a wedge. He's not even real. And you give him time and watch him dissolve back into the very thing that God brought him out of. It's an amazing thing. This, this man had a mean wife. And she was always nagging him. And he never got any rest from her at all. No, Dorothy, I'm not talking about you. Dorothy's, I'm just, I just picked on her there. I might hear about this one now. Okay, I'll, I'll pick on Katina. Yeah, hey, did you see Matt? Matt, did you see Matt? <laughs> I wish we had that on camera. That was Matt's going. <laughs> John, John, you know. But this guy, he, 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 had, he had a mean wife. She was mean. She was just really, really mean. So he's out there behind the old mule, and he's, he's plowing, and, and she comes out to bring him a glass of water. And, man, before she can give him the water, she just starts on him, and all of a sudden that mule kicked that woman in the head and killed her dead in the wedge. So they take her to the funeral home. They take her over there to Savannah. John fixes her up pretty nice, and John's looking, and... and the, the guy, the husband, he's standing by the, the casket and the women are coming up and he's going, yeah. And the men are coming up and he's going. So John said, well, what, what, what's that all about? And you're saying yes to the women and no to the men. And so, so he said, well, he said, the women are coming up and saying, man, she really looks nice. They did a good job. And I'm saying, yeah. Men are coming up and saying, is that mule for sale? You know, <laughs> did I really do that? <laughs> I thought it was funny. I got old Bo right back there smiling. He don't ever smile. <laughs> we used one asking about that mule. Okay, anyway, let's, let's go on. But he says, you are the salt of the earth. And if the, the salt has lost its saltiness, then it's not, any, it's not good for anything. So, so this whole body is going to go back to earth. Now, now watch what he says in verse 14. He's going he's to bring this up. Now, you, now, we already know that we're the salt. We're, we're the preservation of, of the earth itself. We're the preserva- Everybody say preservation of earth. So, so here, here's what you need to understand. I about forgot it. So earth depends on us. And I almost forgot that, okay? I don't want to forget that. Earth depends on us. The one that we're walking on and the one that we're in and the one that you are in, earth depends on who we are in Christ Jesus. So when, if, when that is taken away, then the enemy, the devil himself, has access and an entry way into doing what he pleases because we're not doing what God has called us to do. Now he's going to bring this up. Now watch, this is verse 14. 
You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, now listen to what he said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. The earth depends on us for the saving power of God. It depends upon us for the healing of the earth, the body itself and the earth itself. It is, it is the salt, okay, that takes place and takes care of it. That's who we are. Now watch what he says. Now he's saying, now, you're not only the salt of the earth, but you are the light of the world. You see that word world? That means everybody. That does not mean earth. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the lost. You're not going to like this, but it still needs to be spoken. Why did God put you where he put you? Because you're the light of that area. You think about that. Why did God put us where he put us? Because we're the light of that area. Why is this church right here? Because it is the light of this area. We are diversified here. We, we're coming from every places. If, if you take where we are all from, then we are covering a lot of the world. Understand what is happening right now. It says we, the church, are the light of the world. We are. And, and that's an amazing thing to me. Can you put it back up there again, John? Because I want you to see it. I want you to look at it. You are the light of the world. Now, John, put both of them up, if you would. 13 and 14. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savior, savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. So you are the salt of the earth. Now look what it says. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, now listen to me. We have to admit, it's, we live in darkness. This world is in darkness. It's in darkness. So listen, if it's in darkness, and we can all say amen to that, then if we are the light, it has to draw people to you. Is that making sense to you? Listen to me. If you and I are the light of the world, and we say this world is in darkness, just what you read, it, this world's in darkness, then if we are the light, you are drawn to the light. You ever watch mosquitoes? They're drawn to the light. Bugs are drawn to the light. It's an amazing thing about light. And God says in Genesis 1-3, let there be light. And listen, in, in Revelation chapter 22, it's going to say, And God and the Father is the light of the world. And it shall, we will not need the sun. It will be useless compared to the light of God. The sun will be dim compared to the light of God. The moon will cease to exist because of the light of God. So won't the stars. Listen to me. What I am saying to you is that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And if Jesus says this is who we are, then think about the power that God has given us to see people saved. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because where there's darkness and light shows up, you're drawn to it. 
How many of you have a nightlight? If you're older, you better say yes. Because if you got a dog like ours, that boy's big. And you'll fall over him. And he don't mind getting in your way. That dog's always in my way. Why do you have a nightlight? So you won't fall down. You have a nightlight so that you are drawn to something that you can see that's going to get you to where you're going. Listen to me. We are the light of the world. You and I, we're the light of the world. Listen, we, I, I understand we have a corrupted government. I say go to the voting booth and try to get them out. You, and I'm saying try because understand it's so corrupted. Now you can go to the voting booth and not get people out. It's amazing. It's amazing how sin has taken over and corruption has taken over. And finally now the church is standing up saying, this ain't right, this is not right. Well, it wasn't right when we took the Bible out of the, the schools and nobody stood up and hammered the pulpit. It wasn't right when Roe versus Wade became a law and nobody stood up and hammered the pulpit. Understand, why are we hammering the pulpit now? Because we've gone just a little bit too far and we understand the consequences of our behavior. I tell them in my office today, hey, this Woodstock problem. You say, well, that was 50 years ago. Yeah, that problem 50 years ago still exists today. How many of you understand that? Because those people saying, no law, no law, no law. And guess what? They get in the White House and they get in the Senate and they get in the Congress and there's no law. No law. Man breaks into your house and steals, you better leave him alone. Better let him have what he wants. They'll come in and put you in jail. Oh, yeah. Well, he's going to be in trouble if he gets in our house. And I'm going to call Tom Morton and say, Tom, shoot him. I'm not going to shoot him. I'm going to heaven. But I, I, <laughs> Claude, Claude says, man, Pastor, he's just digging that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. But, but you, you understand where I'm going? Now watch this. Now I want you to, you, you don't have this. Now, in chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse 2. Follow me. And he, Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many of you see that? Now watch this. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall see what? Now, now watch this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall what? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? Mercy, they shall obtain mercy. We're on number eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for what? Blessed are the peace, peacemakers, for what? Blessed, now watch this, here we go. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now watch, now watch. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Now do you see number three, poor in spirit? Watch this. Poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is is past, present, or future? 
It's present. Everything else now is in the future. All the promises are in future until we get down to 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is, is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you when you bind and loosen, you bind and loosen in heaven. How many of you understand that? Did you get that? Now look what he says. Then he says, you are the light, you are the salt, you are the light. He's given us two earthly promises. The rest are future when we get to be with the Lord. But blessed are the poor, those who have poured out everything. Every one of these beatitudes refer to Jesus Christ and his walk on earth. And everything that he was preaching refers to Jesus. Poor in spirit, merciful. He, you just go through every one of those and them are the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. He only gives us two of them that are for here and right now. Poor. He said, blessed are those who are P-O-O-R, not P-O-U-R. Poor in spirit because listen what they have. They have invested every single thing in their life. He says, now watch, blessed are those who have invested every single thing in their life for me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven right now. Right now, the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to say something, and you invest, he said, you're going to be persecuted. He says it right there. He said, you invest in me. He says, you are going to be persecuted. Well, let's read that one again. Watch this. Is this making sense to anybody? Because it makes sense to me. Rejoice and be, he says, he says in verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Do we live in that world today? And a witness was, amen. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. How many of you see that? For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Is, is present tense. And so what he's saying this, he's saying, you pour out everything until you become poor. Pour out everything until you become poor. And you become poor in spirit. And then he said, here's the reward that's going to take place on earth. And then he says, listen, and when this starts to happen, you are going to be persecuted because he says this. He said, be merciful now. And you will obtain mercy. But you need to be merciful now. You need to be a peace, peace, peacemaker now. Not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker now. The United Nations is a peacekeeper and they have failed at that. You are a peacemaker now. You do those things now, but your reward is in heaven. You have a future reward until it comes to empty. Jesus was poor in spirit. Jesus emptied every single thing out and became poor in spirit. Poor also means that it means humble and it means lowly, okay? And Moses was a humble, lowly man, but not like our Lord. And so what we have is that Jesus became humble to the cross, and he became lowly, and he became poor. And why did he do that? So that we might be saved. Now listen to what he's saying. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. Those two beatitudes right there are going to cement this. Those two beatitudes will cement it. Now he says, you are the light of the world. Now let me show you the light. Here's, here's what this beacon's going to do. This is the light, and this is what this beacon's going to do. You're going to mourn, 
Listen to what it says. You are to be meek. You are to be merciful. You are to be pure in heart. You are to be a peacemaker. He goes through that and he says, that's what you are to be. And he said, if you are those things, he said, you're going to be persecuted. And he said, when you're persecuted, he says, I want you to rejoice. But let me ask you a question. Is the generation that's coming up behind us worth saving? And the answer to that is yes. There's the answer right there. That's the answer right there. Is the generation that we have now worth saving? The answer is yes. There's the answer right there. So if you look at that, which we're looking at, if you look at that, it doesn't depend upon a secular humanistic world. Because it's secular, it's humanistic, which are religions, and that religion has left out God and His Christ and His Holy Spirit and has been turned over to Antichrist. The secularism is, is, is Antichrist. Humanism is Antichrist. You know, most people don't even know what humanism is. Humanism is that we're all gods. That we're all gods. That's, that's humanism in a nutshell. We're all gods. No, we're not. Understand this. When these, when these things take over, and the only thing that will defeat them is the salt and the light. The salt and the light. Who are you? Do you have a testimony? Do you pray? Do you read the word? Do you challenge yourself to find God more? To live closer to Him? Do you also let God convict you of sin when you know you're not done right? And when He convicts you of sin, do you say, okay, Father, I'm going to lay it down? Do you do that? Does God spank you every now and then? Because the answer to them needs to be yes, He does. Why? Because you are the people he has put in control to see this land healed. I want this land to be healed. I want revival. I believe we're living in revival right now. I don't think we have to pray for it anymore. I think all we have to do is say, you know what? We're living in revival. I am. I'm living in revival. I'm, I've, I've always prayed, you know what? God sent revival. He sent it. He sent revival through his son. All I have to do is believe in his word and lay it out there and say, God, this is your word. Revival comes. Revival comes. I'm, I'm, I'm revived this morning. I was revived yesterday. I believe revival has already come. I don't believe that we need to pray for it anymore. I think that revival's here. I believe, though, that we need to operate and walk in it. I remember a message that Mr. Woodson, Woodson preached, and I'll never forget that. You know what he preached? He said, you ask God for a miracle, and then you sit back and watch it. He said, if you ask God for a miracle, then start participating in it. Yeah, that's right. If you've asked God for a miracle in your life, then start participating. Hey, Mark, is it okay if I use you as an example? I'm going to anyway. Okay. See, so so yeah. Mark and I was talking. He, he's my golf buddy. Okay. And, and he's got to be strong because he carries me. All right. He, he carries me all the time. You know what he did to me before I tell the story? I, I, I had this heart deal. Remember that? And he says, we, we're in a league. I can barely walk. Well, it wasn't that bad. And he said, come on and play. He said, and he said, you just do the short game, the chipping and the putting. He said, no, I'll do the driving. Driving is when you take that thing and knock it a mile. I said, okay, I'll do that. So we were only playing nine holes, and he missed nine drives. He missed seven of the nine. 
So I'm getting up there. I'm hitting that ball straight, but about three yards. And seven out of nine times, I looked at him and I said, if I have a heart attack, you're doing my, you're, you're preaching. You know. Let me tell you what. Him and his wife was going through some hard times financially. It's years and years ago. And he gave it to the Lord. And so when the bills came in, he just reminded God. He said, hey God, you got mail. I looked at that and I thought, that's pretty neat. Isn't that right? He'd take them bills and he'd say, Lord, you got mail. Hey, listen, if you want a miracle, then start participating in the miracle. Lay out the stakes like Tony Singleton did. Lay them out. If God's spoken to you, lay out the stakes. Listen, if you're the salt that God has required for you to be, and me, me also, and the light, then why not? Because listen, men are going to be drawn to the light in this dark, dark world. So anytime it's dark, don't, don't get disgusted. If, if you, listen to me. If you're saying we live in a dark world, don't get disgusted. Say, I'm the light of the world. And so what are men going to be? You're the light, God. That you'll be drawn. They'll be drawn to you. Men are drawn to light. Men are drawn to truth. 